Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today, we have Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Happy Wednesday, Dr. Paul. It's Wednesday already, yeah, huh? It was a little chilly when we got up, huh? <laughs> oh, I saw yeah. 39 degrees when I got oh, up. Oh, I can't I'm, see. I'm sure I got up later than you, too. I have so. to give up on my swimming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ice fishing. <laughs> yeah, there you, there you go. No beaching today. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to talk about, you know, we're free enterprisers, you know, that free markets, people are allowed to make profits and, you know, they have to be uh, creative and appeal to the uh, uh, consumer and the consumer decides how much profits are going to be made. But I think what we're going to be talking about is sort of divorced from that principle of the uh, uh, of the entrepreneur uh, satisfying the consumers in order to make a good living. This one has to do with people making a good living off war. Yeah. At the same time, they're protecting their, their main interest in running their business, and they actually sign on to uh, protection of human rights. Human rights. You know, make make sure that the corporations don't overstep their bounds and they live within reason. There's a bit of a contradiction. That's what this article is about. It comes from responsible uh, statecraft. Uh, and uh, it, it is titled, Wall Street Eyes, Big Profits from Israel, Hamas War. Yeah. We've sort of been hinting to that. Um, of course, every military adventure, we usually mention that. And, and uh, quite frankly, I've always thought Republicans missed the boat. Uh, and uh, and the Democrats have forgotten about their principle because they used to criticize war at times and profiteering and uh, pharmaceutical industries gouging the people. No more. You can't you can't divide them up that way. And some Republicans are improving themselves, and some Democrats have become uh, much worse on this. And they play the game. Uh, even uh, even uh, the uh, famous senator for, for, from Vermont uh, at times, yeah. although he's strongly against all this stuff, uh, if it's in his district or in his state, you know, they have to go along. One of the reasons why, you know, even like the F-35, it's not built in Texas. Yeah. You know, it's built in probably 50 states. Yeah, yeah. Everybody gets a piece of the action, and uh, but none of the blame. Yeah. You know, oh, it's a, it's a jobs program. Some of them actually admit it, you know, and that's part of this theory that, you know, when you have a bad depression or something, you get out of it by uh, creating money and, uh, and, and, and get into a war. Yeah. And all of a sudden things get worse. But anyway, this is, uh, this is an article that talks about that. And they mention a few companies in here. And uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I think this whole thing touches on the morality of it, but also uh, the, the fallacy that uh, this type of profiteering is actually good for the people. It's good for a few people, but very bad for the innocent people, the middle class, who usually have to fight the wars and uh, get the ultimate tax of, uh, of inflation because they're pr the price increases for the middle class and the poor, much more harmful than for the price increases for bread for the wealthy people who make their money in the military industrial complex. Yeah. Well, let's put up that first clip. Now, there was... <laughs> simultaneously published in The Guardian. I just grabbed The Guardian one, but it's originally from Responsible Statecraft. Their, their title is Hamas has created additional demand. Wall Street eyes big profits from war. And as you point out, Dr. Paul, we've talked about this on the Ukraine war, and now they're rubbing their hands at the prospect of another $106 billion 
to be spent for financing of Ukraine and the war in Gaza and Israel. The subtitle, Morgan Stanley and TD Bank Hope for Aerospace and Weapons Boon after a 7% value increase from the start of the Israel-Hamas conflict. Now go to that next one. This is the opening of the article. The UN has warned that there was clear evidence that war crimes may have been committed in the explosion of violence in Israel and Gaza. Meanwhile, Wall Street is hoping for an explosion in profits, and that's what we're seeing. Uh, go to the next one really quick. Uh, the money could be a boon, and this is the $106 billion. The money could be a boon to the aerospace and weapons sector, which enjoyed a 7% jump in value in the immediate aftermath of Hamas's 7 October attack. Everyone was sad, furious, disgusted uh, with the attack and with what happened and with the response a lot of the world is. But there's one sector out there that's not as disgusted because they see the huge profit in it. I think, I think the word could is weak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the word is will. <laughs> it, yeah. it happens that way, and that's the way it's been going on. Matter of fact, it's a uh, tremendous uh, political advantage that they get because that's how they do neutralize it. everybody in geography and everybody gets a piece of the action, but then you end up uh, with, uh, with Democrats, uh, uh, you know, participating in it with Republicans. They, they bring it together. Yeah, we'd like to bring people together to do positive things, but this, this is not a, uh, a support for peace and prosperity or the Constitution or, or a bit of morality about when you start wars and all. This is just pure <clears throat> political business. And, uh, but we're seeing the cracks, yeah. and the cracks are expected because uh, the one reason why I think the cracks in these coalitions and this continuation has to do with the limitation of wealth. And wealth is destroyed with the type of monetary system we have, and you can't create wealth uh, you know, out of thin air just by the duplication of monetary units. And we're still doing it because there's an illusion and uh, there's a trust in the system that you can get very wealthy and I have to admit, uh, these companies that uh, witnesses and get excited about, you know, the, uh, the amount of money just now going to be appropriated. But there's a fight going on in the Congress still. Yeah, so that's yeah. the crack that is occurring. And we hope to make that crack a little bit broader. Yeah, well, I mean, if you had 10,000 bucks and you put it into these places <laughs> uh, on October 7th, you would have made, what, 700 bucks profit or something. <laughs> so, you know, if there's money there. Now, my math may not be good, but I think that's what it says. Well, let's look for a, a couple more things from the article, just digging a little bit deeper. It's worth reading the article. I think you can find it linked on netopware.com. But this is um, Christine Liwag, and she is head of aerospace and defense equity research at Morgan Stanley. We're not singling her out, but she, uh, that's her job. And she says, looking at the White House's $106 billion supplemental funding request, you've got equipment for Ukraine, air and missile defense for Israel, and replenishment of stockpiles for both. And this seems to fit quite nicely with the Raytheon defense portfolio, she said. And the next one is Greg Hayes, and he's on the other side, he's on the industry side. He's Raytheon's chairman and executive director. He responded to this saying, I think really across the entire Raytheon portfolio, you're going to see a benefit of this restocking on top of what we think is going to be an increase in the DOD top line budget. So. They're already anticipating a bigger 
military bill for next year, and they're rubbing their hands together about this two, this 106 billion. Here's another sentence. I think they could strengthen it, but uh, they're making the point here. It says, the comments are seemingly in contradiction to each company's statement on human rights. Oh, you know, everybody yeah. has to be for human rights, except the ones they want to kill, yeah. you know. And explicit endorsements of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and the UN Guiding Principles of Business and Human Rights. And I get to thinking, you know, they'll say, they'll say anything to pull the wolves over the eyes of the people who are paying the bills. And, of course, I'd like to think that we're in the business of trying to wake people up. And I think to some degree we reach a few now and then because they, they will be awakened someday when the whole thing goes bust. But the big problem then is what are they going to replace it with? And uh, that's why I think these technicalities ought to be worked out. Profiteering with war is uh, it's, it's a pr pretty bad thing to do. And, uh, and that's been going on for a long time. It used to be just the grabbing up land. It's still the grabbing up land. That's sort of what's going on in the Middle East right now. It's as much about land as anything else. Yeah. You know, where, where do we have a place to live? And, uh, and then uh, th that is uh, so artificial and put together you know, by uh, not, not so much voluntar voluntarism of two groups, but by uh, international groups like the United Nations and the various m military operations that have existed for 100 years that uh, has created so many of the problems we're facing today. Yeah. Well, there's no question at all that the, that the military industry in the U.S. does help promote war. Now, they fund the think tanks, which come up with threat assessments. The Chinese are coming this, that, and the other. We know that they fund those. They fund uh, campaigns of members of Congress and senators. We know that's a fact. Um, we know that they also fund the NGO sector, the, uh, you know, many other sectors of society. So I really wonder what is the answer? You know, if you think about it, um, they socialize the costs and they privatize the profits. What would you do, I think, Dr. Paul, in a free society with companies like Raytheon and, and Lockheed Martin, how you know how they operate. If you want a simple answer, just bring the troops home. <laughs> yeah. Stay out of this business. And uh, the second thing is to prevent the future problems like this. Uh, people should uh, be held accountable uh, for their oath of office, which they don't because most of the people figure they're going to get a little bit of the action. Yeah. And uh, on the short run, everybody benefits from this uh, artificial monetary system. And it just goes on and on. This article concluded with something, same subject. Subject. He says, these analysts can feel safe in the knowledge that the U.S. government is never going to interpret the law in such a way, so you're putting pressure on me, <laughs> never in such a way that they will be prevented from exporting weapons to a country that the U.S. doesn't have an outright embargo on. In other words, we put the embargo on it, but we still we still sell them weapons. You know, the the under, the underground, which has become the official military-industrial complex, how they get us into war and then the trading. But on superficially, oh yes, we have to express. You know, we have to protect human rights. Uh, we just don't protect human life. Yeah. <laughs> well, we um, we're talking about the profits of war, but now this our second uh, subject is the realities of war. And the realities of war, they probably should have to sit and watch these things happen. But let's uh, put that next clip up because this is something that happened yesterday. Uh, the Israelis bombed the largest um, refugee camp 
in Gaza, Jabilia neighborhood, which lives north, uh, north of Gaza City. They bombed it, and they say hundreds are said to have been injured and killed in the attack. It's one of the most densely populated areas uh, in Gaza, which is already the most densely populated area of the world. And here are a couple of pictures of the result of that bombing run. And you can just look at this. It looks like an absolute hellscape. This was a neighborhood. This was a densely populated neighborhood. Go to the next one. Uh, it's almost hard to imagine the destruction that we're seeing here. And the resulting uh, is unsurprisingly the deaths of probably hundreds, which we can see in this next clip. Um, and this is only a part of This is the realities of war, the realities of the bombing. Apparently, the, the, uh, the uh, uh, Israelis dropped six one-ton bombs, made in the U.S., of course, uh, and destroyed this neighborhood. So it's a pretty grim picture. Uh, and and you, you brought this up this morning, uh, which is that Wolf Blitzer, who was not a peacenik by any stretch of the imagination, he had a really interesting interview with the spokesman of the Israeli Defense Forces. And uh, this is a longer clip than we usually run. This is a minute and 51 seconds. But I think it's an interesting exchange um, between Wolf and this IDF guy. You might want to find your, let's put our earpieces in and listen to this again with Wolf and the IDF guy. Yes, I can. We went, we were focused and again on our target, a senior, senior commander wolf, and we'll be updating uh, you with more data as the hour moves ahead. But even if that uh, uh, Hamas commander was there amidst all those Palestinian refugees who are in that, in that Jabalia refugee camp, Israel still went ahead and, and dropped a bomb there, attempting to kill this Hamas uh, this Hamas, Hamas commander, knowing that a lot of innocent civilians, men, women, and children, presumably would be killed. Is that what I'm hearing? That's not what you're hearing, Wolf. We, again, were focused on this commander. Again, who you'll get more data who this man was. Uh, killed many, many Israelis. Uh, we're doing everything we can. These are, it's a very complicated battle space. There could be infrastructure there. There could be tunnels there. Uh, we're still looking into it, and we'll give you more data as the hour moves ahead. But you know that there are a lot of refugees, a lot of innocent civilians, men, women, and children in that refugee camp as well, right? This is the tragedy of war, Wolf. I mean, we, as you know, we've been saying for days, move south. Civilians are not involved with Hamas. Please move south. Yeah, uh, I'm just uh, trying to get we, a little bit more information. Uh, you knew there were civilians there. You knew there were refugees all sorts of refugees, but you decided to still drop a bomb on that refugee camp attempting to kill the Hamas commander. By the way, was he killed? I can't confirm yet. I'll, there'll be more uh, updated. He, yes, we know that he was killed. Um, about the civilians there, we're doing everything we can to minimize. Uh, I'll, tell, I'll say it again. Sadly, they are hiding themselves within. Okay, that's, that's enough. Civilians. That was a pretty remarkable exchange Boy, for you, Wolf. Yeah. I was very impressed with that. And I've known Wolf for a long time because he's interviewed me many times. And uh, he's not bashful. He's very challenging. Yeah. But he's always been a gentleman. Yeah. And this brings out, in it, it's almost like 
uh, a memory of what it was like at one time because I saw him acting like a journalist, yeah. you know, and on CNN, you know, I, I just think this is remarkable that uh, the conversation lasted like that. But uh, Wolf is not weak on his support for Israel. No, no, we not know at that. All. Yeah, yeah. But he he was strong on trying to get information. Yeah. And uh, that, I think that's re remarkable. And because of his demeanor and because uh, he's always been a gentleman, even when he was challenging me yeah. on, on some interviews, he was always very dignified. So he, he deserves a compliment on that. Because if more people approach things like this, you know, if if uh, you, you or I were doing the interview and we did it, uh, they have a biased opinion. Yeah. But here he is very independent-minded and, uh, and he, he makes this point and uh, he's astounded. He doesn't even have his own conclusion, but all he was doing was asking the right questions. Yeah. You know, does this mean that you, you went ahead of anyway? Yeah. And then, then, then you hear the typical accuses. This is war, this is war, yeah. And this is a reason why we shouldn't have war yeah. Is, yeah. is because of this type of thing so uh, but right now to see interviews like this on the major networks uh, uh, I think is going to be difficult to find but I sort of thought well uh, Wolf was uh, sort of in the, on this episode was he the voice in the wilderness yeah. you know because it, it's so rare that we get to hear this I mean you you hear more challenging things on on Fox but I don't put it as in the same quality as yeah. this, you know, because this was more, uh, you know, straightforward diplomatic t type of, of uh, inf question to get information. So uh, I may be overstating it, but uh, I have to admit, uh, you know, I sort of have a lot of respect for Wolf. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was good questions. And, you know, the thing is, and we, we both read this separately because we talked about it this morning, uh, that a lot of Israelis are pushing back saying, don't, don't talk to us about collateral damage because you're the guys who dropped bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima and etc. And so we're not necessarily singling out the Israelis because that's a pretty good point. You talk about Fallujah, you talk about all the places uh, that the U.S. has done this. So there is a good point, but the reality is uh, this is a horror and there's no way of getting around it. Um, six uh, one-ton bombs on a neighborhood is not very good at all. Uh, now, this is an interesting point, though. I just wanted to bring this up. Now, this is an account that I follow on Twitter because it's very insightful. He doesn't seem to be very biased. Armchair Warlord, and he made the point. Earlier today, the IDF dropped two, six 2,000-pound JDAMs on the Jabalia refugee camp in Gaza, killing and injuring some 400 civilians on sketchy intelligence that there was one Hamas officer there. And go to the next one. He continues by saying that the United States has literally developed weapons to allow us to kill a single bad guy in a crowd of civilians from 10,000 feet. And I'm guessing we'd be happy to lend some. But apparently the Israelis prefer Mark 84 bombs. And I think what he's referring to, he has a picture of a Hellfire missile, uh, which is exactly what the U.S. used to kill Soleimani, if you remember. Um, they used the Hellfire and they killed Soleimani and five other people. And that was, of course, a stupid, terrible, terroristic act by the U.S. But at the same time, using that Hellfire and killing those five is a heck of a lot different than using six one-ton bombs and blowing the whole city to pieces. You know, um, we make the point that uh, although we 
don't have troops on the ground, but we have CIA agents and special forces and that inconsistency. But the troops on the, on the ground would be guns and people coming back in body bags like they did in Vietnam. But that's, that's been avoided. That scene has been avoided. But that doesn't mean that we, we don't have responsibility, and you've already alluded to it, that uh, whose bombs are they? Yeah. Uh, whose information is it? And, and who, who has set the stage for this, whether, whether uh, it's in the Middle East or any place in the world, because we're in the business. It goes back to that uh, financial thing. People make money delivering message. We have a right to earn our money. But when the uh, person from uh, the... Uh, uh, the, the, the person was being interviewed about the Pentagon there. Uh, the Pentagon spokeswoman, I want to repeat that, is that she says that we, we are not putting, the, we, they, she was being asked on whether they have some condition. Yeah. You know, we're going to give you $10 billion. Evidently, we don't even know where the money goes, yeah, of course even so. if we put conditions on it. We are not putting any limits on how Israel uses weapons that it has provided. So in other words, it's just throwing the money out there and and the the big issue was did any benefit yes the military industrial complex benefited yeah. and then we see all this suffering uh, right now it's recognized that uh, one half of the population of two million people uh, are are you know uh, homeless right now and they've been displaced yeah so and, and that, that's no no small number and uh, it's it's done in an attitude of patriotism and some are some many Americans Americans are very determined to, uh, uh, you know, participate in that sense of patriotism. That uh, under these conditions, this is you know, this is okay. And they uh, they have uh, decided how they're going to paint the picture. And you know, and I think that deserves some thought. Yeah. But we don't deserve a, a privileged position that we should finance and pick and choose and make money off it for 10 or 15 years and then all of a sudden there's an explosion of, of problems. But it's for us getting involved in too early or ever because uh, there have been times when things happen around the world, we just uh, stay out of it. But now everything is in our empire and we have to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I w I think it's very safe to say that the Hamas attack would not have happened were it not for decades of U.S. influence and meddling in the region. Yeah. I mean, all those lives would have been saved. But, you know, we, we choose our story order for a reason. We probably spend more time on what goes next than anything else. And so the reason we're moving to the next one after this is because of actually what you just said uh, in your last segment. You said, whose bombs are they? Whose money is it? We're not putting any limits on how Israel uses its weapons. And these are serious questions. And the answer, at least in the Arab and Muslim world, is that it creates a huge anger. It's our money, our weapons. We're telling them, blow up as much as you want. We don't care. We're not going to stop you. So into this cauldron of hatred and resentment toward the U.S., here is the brilliant idea of the Biden people. This is from Bloomberg. Put this on. This is a cauldron of resentment. And here's what they say. U.S. and Israel weigh peacekeepers for the Gaza Strip after Hamas. This is Bloomberg. The U.S. and Israel are exploring options for the future of the Gaza Strip, including the possibility of a multinational force that may involve American troops. Putting troops right there in the middle of this. 
not a not a good idea <laughs> to say to say the least and uh it's it's happened a lot over history especially in the 20th century that we've had so many peacekeeping uh movements made and it shouldn't be that you shouldn't look at this, but right now, I mentioned the other day that the, to the leaders of both the factions that we're dealing with, uh, they, they, were, were, they were totally 100% right at the, they're at the point right now that we reject the, even talking about it or thinking about a ceasefire or a negotiation. So they're locked in uh, until, until they run out of uh, foot soldiers and money. Uh, that they are going to continue to, uh, you know, just fight the war. And you, you, we, we've already mentioned how, you, you know, Zelensky is running out of steam and running out of money yeah. and running out of friends. And uh, so something else, something will happen there. The Middle East just got started in a way, uh, currently started, which means that uh, the military, <laughs> the, the military industrial complex will not run out of work. Yeah. Uh, well, here's Blinken in that same article, and here's his rationale for putting American troops. He says, we can't have a reversion to the status quo with Hamas running Gaza. Blinken said, who's traveling to Israel on Friday, he told the Senate Appropriations Committee, we can't have Hamas running it. We also can't have the Israelis start, uh, he said, what's that, said again, we also can't have, and the Israelis start with this proposition themselves, is Israel running or controlling Gaza? So we can't have Hamas because of the bad guys. We can't have Israel running it because it's going to be way too dangerous for them. So I got a brilliant idea. Let's put a bunch of Americans in the middle of it so they'll be the ones to be shot at and killed. Because we're so neutral and uh, willing to look at both sides of the issue. And the one issue they're looking at is uh, what's it going to do for jobs and money and profits, you yeah. know. Which is so sad, and in uh, this uh, the the extension of that sadness is that the uh, people just want to believe, and they get they hear the propaganda, and oh well, they talk about human rights. I think they're they're serious. They want to protect human rights. And some of these wars you just can't avoid. You know, they they rationalize and talk themselves into it, and uh, that's why I think the founders were so pre precise. I think they understood exactly what we're talking about. And, and uh, they just, you know, go go and uh, and and want to pass over and let it happen, and maybe it'll go away, and it will go away. Uh, but I don't think it's going to go away. I mentioned this uh, many times. I don't think it's going to go away if we just got ten more members of Congress, because it's so it's so ingrained in the yeah. system. There has to be a revamping, and uh, there has to be a restoration of a belief and confidence that we need guided. Uh, guidance if we decide that we want to live in a society that promotes liberty yeah. uh, realizing that under those conditions uh, is the best chance you have for having prosperity if everybody should be for that but they dismiss it that sounds oh no uh, you know it, it won't work well I tell you what what we have now is not working so well in no. the world we're throughout the world yeah no kidding I mean the whole idea this is painting a target literally on the soldiers, the backs of American soldiers in that region. Everyone who's lost a family member in the Middle East at the hands of U.S. aggression, Iraq, Syria, Libya, you name it, the whole greater Middle East, every single person there is now going to say, now I can finally get back at the Americans, you know. And the idea that you would put your fellow citizens uh, uh, in, in, in harm's way for something that has 
nothing to do with the American interest. It literally doesn't mean anything, despite some people's attachment to countries in that region. It literally means nothing for us. We're oceans away. To put Americans at risk there for something that doesn't affect us, I would say is un-American, right? <laughs> Sometimes you wonder what the real motivation is. That, you know, this, this thing about Biden saying, even, uh, even putting a small number out there, it's so dangerous, Americans. But I wonder if they say, well, uh, no, you're wrong. Putting a few soldiers in there and us de de dealing in the, in, in the peacekeeping movement, it's necessary. Uh, or are they saying, well, this will just prolong this a while and uh, it, it may help or work out or, or this is what we want. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I, uh, there was a time in my life that I absolutely refused to believe that governments could be as evil as they have been, <laughs> that they would deliberately start war. And we have participated in that. And that, that to me is so difficult because uh, we have so many great things in our country. Yeah. We have a great history, but it's sort of sad and it's uh, very damaging the fact that we have drifted so far uh, from the intent of what the founders uh, wanted. And uh, to me, in looking at this history, I think the founders were rather remarkable, yeah. you know, and, and they, they looked, but they also warned us, you know, if you don't have uh, a moral society, it won't, it won't work. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess we're there. We're there. We're there. Well, I'm going to close out uh, thanking all of our viewers. Uh, we also always like your comments. We read your comments. Dr. Paul and I both read your comments. If you have any suggestions or criticisms, put them down there. We've got thick skin, don't we, Dr. Paul? We can take it. We can take it. Um, put on that last clip, though, and I'll remind you, this is our last couple of weeks offering Dr. Paul's book as a free thank you to those who participated in our fall fundraiser, making a tax-deductible contribution to the Ron Paul Institute. A uh, couple weeks left. I will put a link in the description on how you can participate in this. And I will, again, please ask for your patience. <clears throat> We're trying to keep up with a massive demand with a very limited staff. One of the reasons why we need to raise some money is we have a limited staff. So I've gotten a lot of emails from folks who haven't gotten their books yet. Uh, we're doing our best, they're in the mail. Um, the post office is not being very helpful. I won't say any more, but um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so thanks for participating. A couple more weeks left, so don't forget about that. And Dr. Paul, over Very, here. very good. I want to uh, once again thank our viewers for tuning in today because without you, we don't have much of a program. We keep plugging along and we do see signs and, and hear from people who are optimistic enough to say, keep going, keep going. And I think the realization that it's a, a message worth working with and promoting at the same time recognizing that there's no magic about it and that everything will be changed tomorrow and all for the better. But I do strongly believe in the uh, power of ideas and that uh, once an idea is spread one way or the other, the founders all they had were pamphlets and today we have the internet and that's great. We use the internet, but it's also can be it also can be our obstacle too because the internet may be contradicting, uh, you know, some of the fundamentals that we believe in. So we have a job ahead, but it's not complicated. And I used to say in the campaign, freedom is popular and it's easily understood. And why we don't do a better job in promoting liberty? Because uh, I see it as the opportunity for the 
creating the most free society and the most prosperous society and you have to give up all these faulty ideas of false prosperity and funny money and wars around the world as the road to opportunity see it it seems like People should accept, you know, the logic of a free society, and that's what we're going to continue to promote. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.